we'll get started. All right, so thank you for joining us, everyone, both live and in the archive when this, when, once this is uh, finished, it will be saved and you'll be able to come back and take a listen. So for the last week or so, we've been advertising an AMA over on amafeed.com um, in a few different categories, and we've gotten some questions. So we're going to take a little bit of time today, and we'll answer all of your questions. So I'm Rain. And I'm Alex. And we also have some answers from Michael as well, who's also part of the team. Uh, but he's not able to join us, unfortunately. Uh, it's just the two of us who have been able to uh, make the live stream today. All right, so we'll get started with the first question. We might as well just jump in. Are you religious? This is a really broad statement. Uh, Alex, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, basically, I am religious. Uh, grew up Eastern Orthodox, but don't really associate with a particular religion. Uh, you know, because Christianity has too many um, rigid beliefs that go against my fundamental beliefs uh, about um, basically the afterlife, which is to say that there isn't really an existence of... Uh, I don't want to get too, too in-depth here uh, with, um, you know, reciting my my personal religious um, uh, it's it's a it's a long it's a long story if I tell you all of it but uh, basically uh, I subscribe to a lot of the beliefs that mediums have so those are people that communicate with spirits on the other side so I have a lot of belief in those things uh, I read quite a few books about it and I think anybody who has read about the topic or read about mediums um, it's an enlightening it's a very enlightening uh, topic and you learn quite a bit and those things aren't always in conflict with Christianity but some of the things are and the concept of heaven and hell and eternal eternal um, either eternal garbage in hell or eternal awesomeness in heaven it's not really the case according to uh, a lot of mediums so there's kind of um, a widely accepted notion that souls sort of move up in frequency toward the highest frequency which is God and it's the all-encompassing feeling of love um, of all kinds so it's very complicated uh, if you read up on it it's very interesting and I think that's what I have to say about that so semi-christian maybe maybe semi-christian but uh, again uh, too many conflicts with my with those other very specific beliefs about the afterlife that uh, that don't go along with uh, typical Christianity, and I also don't believe that you can obviously get um, uh, in any sort of bad consequence for uh, for your sexual orientation or um, uh, following the wrong religion. For example, I don't believe you you know um, you can get punished for those things, but I certainly believe in God. And I believe God judges everybody. Uh, so I think that sums it up. Yeah, that was a maybe I took a little too much time on that one, but um, I could talk about that for quite a while because it's uh, it's a big topic. How about you, Rain? Uh, yeah, I mean, take all the time you need. Uh, it is it's a great question, and uh, yeah, mine uh, is a little bit on the 
complicated side as well. So I grew up Lutheran, which uh, as far as Christianity goes, I think that's probably one of the better ones. Um, that was my mother's side. My, um, on my father's side, there was, uh, I was, they definitely tried to raise me Catholic. Uh, and my uh, grandmother on that side, I guess my paternal grandmother, uh, she is like, so like she would go to church three, four, five times a week. So really, really, really got connected to that church. Uh, funny story about how I got uh, banned from a Catholic church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, I don't remember how old I was, but I was young. So I was in Sunday school and I started asking questions. I started questioning like, you know, how do we have proof that there's God? Uh, I started kind of picking it apart and that got everyone else to kind of start picking it apart too. So, um, <laughs> so they didn't like that I was getting everyone to kind of start asking questions and that I was encouraging everyone to think they didn't like that so I got kicked out of Sunday school and I was sent to I was sent to the adult church I was born so um, I, remember if, I think it was during a hymn I think I don't remember exact details but Unless I started, I got bored, so I started crawling underneath each pew, and then I popped my head up and went, nope, the devil's not here. Go to the next pew, nope, the devil's not here. Slowly working my way to the front doing this, and then I got to the front, and it was quiet, and I stood up, and in front of the whole church went, where's the devil? I can't find him anywhere. And uh, I was kicked out of the church. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> and uh, that day, like, we had a thing where, like, we'd go to McDonald's afterwards, and I was into magic. So I know this is completely off topic from the religious part, but this is just the story from the same day. Um, I've been watching, Penn and Teller had this show um, back in, like, the early 90s, where they would go and they would reveal tricks, and they would sort of do this whole exposing magic thing. So at the end of each show, they would teach you a very, very doable trick. Uh, this one is the whole thing with the creamer. You palm the creamer in your hand, and then like you can make it look like that you stabbed yourself in the eye, and then it's all over, but ta-da, your eye is fine. I wanted to practice this trick, and this seemed like a good place to do it. Uh, the other thing we added here, though, is that I was also into acting, so I wanted to, I hammed it up a bit. So we were sitting there, having food, and I was like, I'm going to show you this magic trick. So I, I grabbed the creamer and a knife, and I went and I pierced it, but when I pierced it, I started to scream really, really, really loud, and apparently really convincingly because someone called 911. And uh, ambulance showed up, and meanwhile, I'm like, no, I'm fine. Ta-da! So we got kicked out of the McDonald's, too. <laughs> It was my grandmother's favorite McDonald's, and she wasn't allowed to come back for a while. Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, and that was all the same day. That was not a good day for either wow. my father or that. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, so to answer the question, no, I'm not religious. I don't believe in any kind of God. Uh, again, I used to, but I just 
there isn't enough evidence. And if you look at the world around you, like if there is a God who would let this kind of stuff happen and let people suffer in the way that they do, I want nothing to do with that being. Like, I don't want to be part of that kingdom, but that's just me. Um, yeah, so I mean, I believe in, I'm definitely uh, spiritual. Don't believe in, I separate it with uh, religion being, subscribing to a certain dogma. And then spirituality is, you know, more your beliefs. But I don't subscribe to any kind of dogma. I do share a lot of the same sort of beliefs that Buddhists have. So if I was going to identify with a religion, if I had to, it would probably be Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism. But I'm more atheist than anything else. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great uh, principles there in, uh, in Buddhism. Uh, oh, in my experience of hearing about those... Uh, those sorts of beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, I can really dig into this for a long, long time. So we'll just kind of leave it at not religious. I don't believe in a God. Do have certain beliefs. And again, it's like you, I have a lot of the same. I have some beliefs that sort of like medium share. So I do believe in uh, spirits. I do believe, uh, I believe in reincarnation. And yeah. so, um, you know, there's sort of a universal balance and it's not so much that your actions define what you come back as. It's just kind of random. Well, there's a lot of mediums that would uh, support something like that. Uh, with the interesting exception that the mediums say that we actually choose to come back. So um, in an effort to obtain, uh, let's say, another lesson, or another life of learning, we actually choose to come back to our earthly uh, state. According to uh, again, this is uh, not me. This is uh, what I what I've read from from mediums, widely accepted medium uh, medium beliefs. Yeah, which is uh, very interesting. It's a it's an interesting topic. Yeah. I'm just quickly doing the text answer. That is the only downside of tuning in this way is that there are going to be pauses while we do the text answers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like all the Christians would hate to hear me say something like I'm semi-Christian, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fair description. <laughs> only semi. <laughs> I mean, there are... For the most part, there are, like, Christianity at its core, I like. You know, the whole sort of loving each other, um, you know, doing to others is uh, people have people have done to you, that kind of thing. I think it has a good message, but over the years, its dogma has corrupted it, and it's become this ugly, ugly thing. I think that's a fair point, and it is a fact that... Uh... The churches lose people every year, and that uh, the church—if I were to, or if I were to say the church, describing the churches and Christianity—it is a fact that the churches are losing steam and losing followers, uh, committed uh, members, and uh, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it has a little to do with religion, but it also may have a little to do with uh, the modern world, right? 
I mean, a hundred years ago, there was a lot less to do and going to church was, you know, something to do that was a little more important. Now, uh, people are so busy and there's infinite things to be doing and uh, putting that on your plate, you know, I think, I think some people who might want to explore that are a lot less uh, likely to explore it with, um, you know, with our busy lives. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I do have to point out something, and this is, I never open with this, um, but it is interesting. I learned a while back about, I don't know, it was down the Wikipedia rabbit hole, and I learned what Satanism is, which is interesting because a lot of people think it's the worship of the devil. Right. It is not. Uh, mm -hmm. It is probably one of the better religions. <laughs> be quite honest and uh, there's always gonna be there's always extremist uh you know alistair crowley painted it in a really 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 bad light it's not what it is um at its core though it's sort of it's about just doing what you want as long as it doesn't hurt other people yeah so if you want to go out and have a lot of sex go have a lot of sex it's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know so long as it's consensual you know go out and do it you're not going to be punished for it yeah um, you know, if you want to go out and murder a lot of people, don't do that because right. you're other people. So that's, that's bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, at its core, it's just, it's about, it's about taking pleasure in this life. Yeah. Enjoying yourself. Yeah. I have, I have read about that. Ah, excellent. I, I like it when other people have read about it. So they're not like put off, like, especially when I go like, uh, the religion I identify the closest with aside from Buddhism is Satanism. Which is not, yeah, yeah. Not which always has it. people just kind of like, yeah. the moment I say it, it's kind of shut off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it does not mean you're worshiping the devil. It does not mean that. Yeah. No. Come up with a better name. <laughs> they really do. It's bad marketing. <laughs> it's bad marketing. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, enjoying lifeism. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I know that is what they. That's what they believe. Yeah. All right. I'm sure we could spend like another hour on this, but we have like 20 more questions to get through. All right. Some of them quicker than others. Uh... Okay. So I don't know how much you can speak to this one, but give it a shot. Next question is, how difficult is it to raise funds through crowdfunding sites compared to, uh, compared to traditional fundraisers? This is all you, Rain. I know this is not my, uh, my yeah, knowledge at all. Yeah. Uh, well, Michael sent me a response to this because he's done this before. So I'm going to read off his response and then I will play off that. Uh, so Michael uh, responded with, it's still a relatively new concept, so it may require a further sell and an explanation. Uh, explanation for some, but as it gets more popular, it also gets wildly competitive. You can't donate to every campaign or like every Facebook page. I get it. That's why we just have to try our damnedest to be special. And I completely agree. I've done a few of these before and it's tough. It is a really, really difficult road. Um, if you can do it, it's really worth it. Because uh, again, it's, it's independence. So you're not, you know, you've raised the money on your own. You don't have, you have, you know, your fans 
and they like your project for your project. So you don't have anyone dictating how you're going to do things. Uh, you don't have, you know, you don't have to make changes, via, you know, to make other people happy. Uh, you get to go do your project the exact way that you want to do it, which is great. Uh, again, it is difficult, uh, and I think depending on what your project is, it could be even harder. Uh, back in 2009 and 2010, I launched two separate uh, Indiegogo campaigns for a feature film I was working on called Roommates. And it didn't go well. Um, the first time we raised, I don't think we raised very much. And then I retweaked it. I think we raised a couple hundred dollars. And that was enough to do our sample scenes. Mm -hmm. And we were going to use that as part of an investor's dinner to try to attract the rest of the funds. Uh, my goal was a little, I overreached. I was trying to raise $100,000 as my first crowdfunding campaign and uh, got nowhere near it uh, right. while we were switching over. Right, so the first campaign I launched was 100000 100, and we weren't able to do that. So the next one I launched was 5000 and that was to fund the investors' dinner. Unfortunately, we only got a couple hundred into the goal uh, before it ended. So like we still shot our preview scenes. Uh, we still... You know, we, we still delivered all our rewards. And, yeah, it was, it was a disaster, more or less. But, yeah, I, again, like having that experience in the past with it not going all that well, I think that, you know, definitely helps with this one. And even with this one, it's lower expectations. Uh, the good news is, is that it's not through Kickstarter. Uh, because Kickstarter doesn't accept Bitcoin, but we did raise $500 a few days ago. That's pretty great. Yeah, so we're at 536 right now. Um, oh, awesome. Unfortunately, Kickstarter doesn't email me whenever there's a new donation, so I don't... It's more like when I go to check the page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a surprise, which is nice. Yeah. Well, that was a good surprise, but you might get let down too. If, uh, you know, no notifications, and you keep checking. I don't check it all that often, though. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll get like if I get a message on the page, I'll go check, and that's how I find out that there's um, that there's stuff going on. Yeah. So. Um. Uh, but in comparison to traditional fundraisers, oh, we're not doing a bank sale. So, because uh, again, we have to buy eggs, you know, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> the, the logistics. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, you have to do all this fundraising for like a one day event or all this uh, marketing for this one day event. Yeah. Uh, no matter how many drugs you happen to put into your baking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It also doesn't help you don't tell people that there's drugs in the baking. Yeah, that would be uh, yeah. so expensive. <laughs> Fair chocolate chip heroin cookies. <laughs> um, so yeah, in traditional in comparison to traditional fundraisers, it's again it depends on the project. 
Some projects come along that get funding easier than others. This project, uh, just because of its nature, I've found that it's exceeding my expectations, but also my expectations are on the lower side, specifically with crowdfunding. So I mean, we'll see, I have a better idea on some marketing stuff, so we'll see how it goes as we progress. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have an idea that sort of resonates with a lot of people and that sort of, if it's at the right time, it tends to go better. You tend to get more interest. Um, and again, with this project, that's what I'm seeing and it's nice. Any moment here while I do the text response. Yep. On a side note, I think if we got a lot of, uh, say a lot of people donating and, uh, and really interested, such as all these people that have uh, asked the questions, uh, Oh, absolutely. And all the people who've RSVP'd on this. Mm -hmm. It'd be pretty cool, I guess, if we threw, uh, I suppose we could probably organize some sort of event for, uh, for all the supporters um, to generate, you know, more funding, whether that's, uh, you know, a big social or, or whatever. It'd be pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and again, like our Kickstarter and our Patreon have some really cool rewards, kind of. Um, and we'll be adding more to the Kickstarter as time progresses, and I'm sure the Patreon stuff will change as well over time, although I've seen a little bit less activity on that one than I have on the Kickstarter, which is okay. I mean, right now our main focus is shooting that pilot, which is currently is sitting at 41 pages. That's uh, longer than where we started? Or is that uh, episode... You've so we've switched we've switched formats. Uh, we're going to be doing as opposed to a, like a web series length. We're going to be doing like standard TV length kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. So episode three is written, and that's sitting at thirty-seven pages, I believe. Nice. Oh, we're working. We have the entire season broke. Uh, you know, we've broken the entire season, so we know all the major beats. But yeah, in comparison to, uh, to more traditional means, there is uh, less red tape. I'm not entirely sure why there's... As much as I like AMA feed, there's definitely challenges with formatting of things. And there we go. So, probably boring for anyone who would be listening. Okay, on to the next question. Uh, how long were you in denial for? Love, oh. to hear, love to hear your story on that. <laughs> uh, just quickly taking a look to see. Yeah, okay. So I'm the only one who can actually speak to that. All right. So I was debating how personal to get with this one. And uh, I might as well go for broke here. So I was in denial for a long time about, so I should start off by saying that I'm trans and also bisexual. So uh, the bisexual stuff I didn't even deal with until after I you know, was honest with myself about being trans. And that took, I can't remember if I was 24, I think it was either 24 or 25. Might've been 24, I think it was 24. Um, when I kind of finally accepted uh, it, I would have probably accepted that a lot sooner uh, if it hadn't been for an episode of Jerry Springer, which is 
never a good thing to go by. <laughs> so I was, oh, I don't know, five or six or something. No, it might have been seven. I think it was seven. And I was staying home sick from school one day. And it happened to be flipping through, and I caught, uh, you know, it's like 11 in the morning or something, and I happened to catch Jerry Springer. And it was an episode um, where, like, I think it was one of those, oh, I, uh, my husband is now a woman or something like that, some yep. B thing. And just the people who show up there, uh, it was just, like, the way they looked and acted, I had decided, like, no, I, I'm not, I'm never that. Um, so, I mean, that, it really didn't help. It wasn't until, like, years later when I kind of started catching the show a little more often when you realize that everyone on the show is just, no. Like, they don't represent the norm at all. That's right. Uh, but eventually it did. It was just sort of, like, I either had to sort of, I had to accept myself and sort of embrace that, or I was going to end up, I was going to end up dead. So I ended up going, yeah, I, that was when I accepted it, and then I started trying to process the transitioning. And while I was doing that, I also kind of came to accept that I'm bi as well, because I got to explore that. Whereas before, I was totally, like, I was so deep in denial that um, I wouldn't, that was something I wasn't even going to consider. And I am ashamed to admit this, but I will admit it, that... I was so deep in denial that, like, I wouldn't hang out with other people who were gay. Definitely not trans. Um, you know, anyone who fell into that LGBT category, nope, wanted nothing to do with them. Uh, you know, I had friends who were all supporting of it. I just remained quiet. Cause I was like, nope, not, nope. Because if I'm supportive of it, people will figure me out. And didn't want that to happen. Wow. So, yeah, it's one of those so deep in denial that I'm kind of on the verge of, like, homophobic. And super denial. Yes, that's just it's it's very deep, and it's so deep where you're just you're putting on a show for everyone, and you know anything that even comes close to breaking that. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. So, to answer your question, I was in denial for until I was like 24. So, like, I don't know, good 20, good like 18 years, I guess, 17, 18 years. Um, and yeah, I was, I was deep in denial, but it's fantastic now because I have friends who are, you know, I have friends who are gay, lesbian, trans, a great group of people. And then when I started transitioning, uh, I sort of limited myself. The only people I would hang out with are people who are like from that spectrum. So I went from one extreme to the other. And then like, what a year in a transition, I balanced out. Which was nice. Uh, yeah, but that's my answer to that question. That was a good answer. And I just want to also uh, yeah. make a comment that, um, you know, probably since I was, I don't know, maybe four or five years old, I knew I liked girls. I was thinking about girls. You know, I remember being in daycare, you know, in kindergarten. And being into one of the ladies working at the daycare. I didn't even know what 
to do about it, so to speak, right? Because you really don't know anything at four, but I knew that I was straight at that, at that time. You know, it was so obvious and plain for me. And so I think that always, I always think about that when I, you know, when I think about what other people are going through who, who aren't, because I think you must probably know, or it must be, I mean, I know you were in denial for a long time, but, um, you know, did you know that maybe you, you weren't necessarily, um, straight even at a young age, because I knew from a young age, that was what I was into. I was thinking about it really early, right? Before I knew what it, what, what it even meant to be, <laughs> to be like that, right? Yeah, like I was, I was thinking about it. So um, it's kind of funny when I think back about it, but, uh, but you must've known though, pretty early. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to hear what, what you think about that. Because I know for me, it was really early. I mean, I knew how I felt about girls. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So for me, it was, I mean, I always kind of knew that there was, there might be something there. But again, I had closed myself off to that. But I've always, like, I always knew that that's, that's a very good possibility that I like, that I like guys as well. Uh, and that was also at a young age. Uh, it's a little bit like, after puberty hit, so I mean, I don't know, it was weird because there wasn't necessarily an attraction. Um, and I didn't really explore that until I was older. I think for me, it was more when I was younger, I wanted, it wasn't so much that I liked girls in that way, more so that I wanted to be one. Mm-hmm. So it was a little on the weirder side for that one. Um, as far as like attraction goes, that wasn't until later. I also spent a lot of my childhood being bullied. So I didn't really have a lot to focus on, a lot of time to focus on that. It was more like just kind of staying alive and uh, trying to fit in, which I found difficult. So again, like there was that sort of knowledge that was there, but it was buried just so, so deep. Um, But yeah, again, that just comes a lot from being uh, bullied. It's funny too because I used to get called gay when I was little, or uh, you know, I was I'd be called a faggot or something like that, or a gay lord. Oh man, gay lord! <laughs> the names. Oh, um, Stupid kids, right? Yeah, which is funny because it's like, well, you're not that. You're you're half right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, kids, right? Kids don't know, right? They just don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, in that, in that case, they sort of do, but you know what I mean. They, they just, uh, they just don't understand. Yeah, like, well, it's not that they even knew. It's just that they were picking. They, they just picked someone to pick on, and I was an easy target. Right, right. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I guess as an adult, you know, I mean, I would hope that most adults would, you know try to teach their kids early about those types of things and the sensitivities of uh, those types of things. But I also feel like we're coming into a different time now in this day and age where we're at the forefront of uh, change when it comes to teaching children and uh, about these sorts of things where, you know, even as short as 15 years ago, it just wasn't the same. 20 years ago wasn't the same. Oh, exactly. Like in growing up in like the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, 
it just it wasn't the same thing at all. Right. You still have people that grew up their whole lives through 60s, 70s, 80s whose parents grew up pre-60s. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when you think about the influences, I mean, I even think my parents are, are fairly traditional in a lot of ways, you know. And, but, and they're, I should think that they're modern, modern types of uh, thinkers, and yet, uh, you know, they still think things like um, getting a job, working a job for one company your whole life kind of thing, uh, getting married early, having a family, those things, they still subscribe to those types of uh, they still think those are pillars of life, where now people widely accept anyway, people in our in our generation widely accept that you can do whatever you want with your life. Right? Absolutely. Well, anyway, we have the blessing and the opportunity to do that anyway here in Canada and in North America. So other places are not so fortunate, but um... they're getting they're getting there though slowly. I mean, you know, but it's one of those, you know, we'll take a couple steps forward and then like eighteen steps backwards, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you know, but I mean, slowly we're we're getting there even across the rest of the world. Well, I hope so. Closer and closer. But, like, there's definitely now a big difference between, like, if you're growing up now and you were, again, like, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's such a big difference. I think it's a lot more accepting now, so it's easier to sort of... I mean, you have, you know, kids who... Whereas, like, again, going back to the whole being trans, might have suppressed that back, again, 20 years ago. Might have suppressed that and not have come to terms with it, um, you know, until much later in life. Versus now where you have, you know, there are kids who are just like, you know, like four or five and they realize, they, they realize that they're not the right gender. So, you know, their parents are letting them present properly. And then right before puberty hits, get on blockers to keep that from happening and go forward. And in a lot of ways, I'm right. kind of jealous of that. It's like I, I didn't have that. Right. Yep. People weren't enlightened. No. That short that short time ago. But also, like, again, growing up now, this is sort of the age of participation trophy. You know, it's like you get rewarded for just participating no matter what the outcome was. Right. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know, warning labels and everything. So in a lot of ways, I do also kind of like growing up what I did, uh, where it was wooden play equipment. And if you got a splinter, you, you deal with that shit. <laughs> uh, you know, so I mean, it's again, there, there's you know, good and bad things about that, but yeah, with acceptance, it's it's definitely come a long way. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, I should also like, also it was weird too, um, since I'm asexual, so I didn't have, uh, you know, definitely bi, so biromantic is what I should say, orientation is. Uh, biromantic, asexual. So, like with the whole sex thing, I never understood it. Still don't um, understood understand why people make a, such a huge thing of it. Uh, it's just something I've never been able to wrap my head around. I mean, I guess from like a purely logical level, I guess I can kind of see it, but I still don't fully understand it. 
Um, so for me, there was never that sort of, there was oh, physical attraction, yes, sexual attraction, not so much. So do you want to have a family someday? Uh, sorry, I'm just answering this question still. Uh, yeah, but while I'm answering, the, while I'm finishing this one up, let's move on to do you have a family? Uh, do you want to have a family someday? Do you want to take that one? That's a pretty good, uh, yeah. That's a pretty good lead up. You know, the more and more I talk to people with families, the less and less I think I want to have uh, a big one. Because I used to think, oh, yeah, I want to have a family, this and that. I mean, I, I like kids, right? And I thought it was pretty obvious that I would. But now I'm like, oh, God, it's like I'm so busy. Uh, you know, maybe just one. <laughs> I think one will probably do the trick for me. So <laughs> that now that's how I feel. I, it's so weird. Yeah, because I always thought, oh, yeah, I have like lots of kids. But no, now I'm like, I don't know. Like if I have one, I think that'll be that'll be a handful, you know, in terms of, you know, the effort. Because, you know, I've met so many people now with kids and it's just like, wow, you guys just living your life, living life for the children, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and that's, uh, and that's cool, you know, but I think maybe one, maybe two, that, that'll do great for me, that'd be good, yeah, one or two kids would be great, how about you, Rain? Uh, one sec, um, that's a tough one, I'm more or less married to my career, so, it's not that I don't want one. I just, I don't know. It, it's a time sort of thing for me. I mean, eventually one day, yes, that would be nice. Um, and yeah, I've considered adopting too. But again, it's just like, it's just sort of right now I have a different priority. Uh, but one day, I mean, that would absolutely be nice. But again, like one day, I just kind of like, it would be nice to also have like a stable job and... Uh, you know, to be working just a set amount of hours a week and then come home and the family, that to me sounds nice. That to me, though, is not my reality. Right. And, I mean, I'd get bored. Right. Um, not to say I'd get bored of my family. I don't think that would happen at all. But, yeah, I mean, one day, maybe, but just not anytime soon. Okay. Uh, so that was actually pretty quick. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Risks. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking to see if there's any answers in the email. Okay. So are you aware of any potential uh, risks that crowdfunding presents, if you believe there are any? That's all you. I, I wouldn't know of any. Yeah, uh, there are always risks with uh, anything like this. The big thing being you know, not being able to complete, uh, not being able to complete uh, your funding, not being able to deliver the rewards that you promised, which is why I find if you start off with sort of like a base that's very, very doable, that you know you can achieve, even if you don't raise the whole amount of uh, that you're looking for, uh, it sort of mitigates that risk. So again, the big risk being not being able to fill, uh, fulfill rewards. If you keep them more in the realistic, you can fund them out of your own pocket. Let's say you only raise a little bit, you know, um, very easy to fulfill. And then as you go uh, and you kind of realize, you know, you start picking up traction, you can start adding things. That's the great thing about crowdfunding is that they let you add rewards and move things around. The only thing that you really shouldn't do is remove rewards 
that people have already sort of gotten. So if you know, we have someone who got like the swag, so if we remove that option of, well, now you don't get anything uh, later on, it's kind of cheap to do that to people. You can, but it's, you shouldn't. So, yeah, again, like fulfillment, but again, if you start off realistic, that's really the only sort of uh, risk that I can think of that you'd run into. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's, it, it's, again, not being able to complete things, or you don't raise enough money, and you're not able to complete the project, uh, which, again, also an issue that can happen. I mean, look at us when we were doing the pilot earlier in the year. We had everything there, and then we just had this freak accident that happened where someone dropped a camera out the window of a car, and suddenly we weren't able to do it because yep. we weren't able to get a camera on time. Uh, the only, uh, like, I had to scramble for a new DP because the DP just kind of left at yep. that point. Um, and, you know, we only had so much in the budget, so we ended up kind of being screwed that way. Yep. So, you know, we also have those kind of risks. But for the most part, uh, fans tend to be pretty understanding. Like if something happens uh, and you have to put something off, but it's just about having sort of backup plans. Uh, will someone, uh, someone be gay because her moms are gay, lesbian? Uh, do you want to start? Well, I mean, let's start with the obvious no. Um, okay. <laughs> I laughed so I'm... Um, Normally I wouldn't comment on it, but yeah, I laughed yeah. so hard when I saw that question. No, that's a no. How, however, I haven't read into whether there has been has, has been any actual science behind whether it's possible that you have higher chances of, of being gay or lesbian if if it's in your if it's in your uh, uh, what, what would we call that in your in your genetic uh, in your genetic pool? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read, uh, maybe you, have you read anything on uh, on that? I mean, I, I know basically, no, it doesn't mean. But I don't know whether the, the probabilities or chances go up. I don't know about that. I'm worried that if I type, it's going to make noise here. I'd like to feel like I'd like to give that a quick Google. Oh yeah, go for it. I'll let you know if it makes noises. OK, so um, my take on that is not necessarily. Um, you know, it's, you know, uh, straight kids can be born to, you know, uh, gay parents. Um, so taking a look at the question again, uh, again, it really it depends on a lot of things. So, her mom's are gay, lesbian. So it really depends, like if the child's adopted, uh, or if it's genetics. It depends. Like, okay, so if the I child think, was... I think you're asking if um, I think this is probably a question relating to bi biological um, relationship, right? Right. So again, like there's different ways. So if the child was born, uh, you know, if there was like a marriage that happened before or not even a marriage, but like, um, you know, if depending on how the, so if someone had sex with someone else, uh, you know, if as far as genetics go, both parents being gay, 
probably a little bit like again it's all about your genetic pool um but really you're playing the genetic lottery is what you're doing uh if you're going as far as biological goes now if someone was adopted at like a really early age so you know one or two or something or a newborn was adopted and uh both moms are gay now you're looking at a nurture kind of situation and again not necessarily so either way it's no uh, that doesn't necessarily make it the case. There's a lot of different factors at play. Um, the biggest thing being genetics. Uh, you know, people can't choose their sexuality. And I'm, I'm reading now that there are apparently um, nine different, um, I guess they call these genetic markers, that even then with these nine markers that they've identified, it's only got an accuracy of 70%. So obviously it's pretty, it's quite complex. It's, it's not a matter of, uh, it's not just a matter of probability. It's, it's very complex. So yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, uh, and also this article is based around a study of identical male twins in which one sibling is gay and the other one isn't. So I think if anything, that just, gives even more um, evidence that it, it isn't necessarily genetically linked because twins are the closest genetic match possible to each other. And it says here that this is a study with several identical twins. I mean, I guess you'd have to know out of, out of well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there, there are a few ways to look at it in terms of uh, trying to collect data, but Anyway, among these identical twins, it seems there are several uh, in this study in which one of the twins is homosexual, the other one isn't. So, and, and I'm pretty sure twins share a really, really close genetic match. So, um, obviously, it's quite complicated. Can you just send me a, can you send me the link to that? Yeah. I'm going to link it in the answer. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a pretty cool article here. that to you yeah that's uh that's interesting but they do say scientists find dna differences between gay men and their straight twin brothers but again that doesn't that doesn't answer the, the question of whether that's hereditary and I, and I think the point i'm making here is that i think that that really means a lot less in terms of whether it's hereditary because twin brothers share so many of the same genes and obviously this like it's an anomaly with one of the twins versus the other twin and uh and these are identical twins i believe so that they have that they're talking about in this article right yeah and even and again even these these indicators only give you a 70 percent predictability which to me isn't that good, right? If 30% of the time those indicators don't mean anything, so. Oh, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's actually really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so they talk about these distinctive uh, 
markings in the DNA, but um, again, you know, with only 70% indication that it's not quite, you know, that's, that's not very accurate from a, from a scientific standpoint. Sure. Um, yeah, that's... Oh, well, yeah, okay, it is mentioned here, which is what I was saying, that they correlate with homosexuality, but it may have nothing to do with it. Ah, so, okay. so it does not mean that these genetic, uh, uh, what, what would you call them, uh, genetic uh, unique uniqueness does not mean that that causes homosexuality, but they're saying that these are found, these markers in 70, I guess the point is they're, they're found in 70% of, uh, of people in the study who are gay. So anyway, pretty interesting, interesting question. Complicated. I actually got um, a much more detailed answer than I thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. Besides, uh, besides the obvious no, which, uh, which has, I believe, been confirmed, um, it, it gets quite complicated, I, I suppose, in, uh, in other questions with regards to whether, whether genetic aspects are even... Uh, well, I guess the conclusion is they don't really know. They don't 100% know. They have found a few interesting, unique markers, but uh, nothing, nothing is uh, conclusive and, and gives 100% uh, indication. So, Absolutely. And Michael had a response done as well. Uh, his response was, just like gay children can be born to straight parents, straight, uh, straight children can be born by, uh, raised by gay parents. So no, you're born gay. You won't be gay because... Right, that's good to clarify because that's it. we didn't touch on that, of course. Yeah, and this goes back to I knew I was straight when I was like three or four years old. I just knew. Yeah, and like I think also, uh, depending on the household that you're raised in, you're more likely to accept yourself uh, than not. And I'm sure, like even now, there are people who are gay who just completely suppress it. Mm -hmm. And you know, till the day they die, they'll be air quotes straight um, but you know they're not but you know, it's dial is a very very strong thing uh, okay anything else to add to that are you still with us yep okay yep. it was just uh, cutting out a little bit but I, I hear you okay uh, okay so yeah again a question that initially started off as Something that I kind of thought might be a little ridiculous actually ended up being really interesting. I like it when that happens. I like being wrong about things. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think conclusion is it's it's quite complex. Yes. Yeah. But I did not know what nineteen eight. That's actually worth looking into in the um, afterwards. I might dig into that later on today. Yeah, that that article. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on to the next question. Uh, have you done other crowdfunding campaigns before? You touched on some of this. You, you, so you have quite a bit of experience, actually, with some of this. Mm, I would say I have some experience. Uh, there are people who have more experience. Uh, I think Michael has more experience than I do. And he chimed in an answer on this one. So, yes, several. Some more successful than others. Passion projects are always going to connect on a different level. Um, and again, like I touched on that earlier, and it's exactly that. You know, depending on the project, it might be more successful. Um, 
you know, and again, it depends on sort of that resonation, uh, if it resonates with people better. Uh, it's also a matter of timing, too. And that was the thing I was getting out with Scars, is that now is the time for these kind of shows. Uh, you know, audiences are looking for this kind of thing. Uh, you know, things that are more on the challenging side, as opposed to things like sitcoms and such. Not that they're a bad thing, there's certainly a place for that. Um, but again, it's just like, I think it's a good time for something like this. So a lot of factors have to add up on whether or not it's going to be successful. And also it's a matter of getting the right eyes on things. Uh, you know, your crowdfunding campaign can, you know, it can be all the good factors except the wrong eyes happen to land on it and nothing happened. Right. You know, speaking of our um, discussion about time periods, I'm sure if this event took place 20 years ago, or even, well, I mean, besides the obvious barrier of the internet not being as developed, but if it took place 20 or 30 years ago, I'm sure there would be a lot less interest in this in this topic, as opposed to modern day, where this is really an important topic, and I think a topic a, topic a lot of people uh, would be uh, would be interested in uh, in seeing and ex explored in artwork such as this. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you on that one. Okay, so that is that one. Unless you have anything else to add? No. Okay. Moving on to the next question. What is, uh, what is a misconception about gay people that you think other people should know the truth about? You know, uh, one interesting thing that when I was in university, I took a uh, psychology course that touched on this topic um, and it was sort of an enlightening idea that was shared with regards to the fact that being gay isn't a binary decision it's like uh, a spectrum in which someone can be more one way or more the other way uh, meaning that um, there's a range of people, um, you know, now now known as bisexual, but even that doesn't quite, quite, uh, that's not descriptive enough because that adds, rather than the binary, that adds like a third option, like a one, two, and three, but it's really not like a one, two, and three. And, and this is what I learned in the psychology class. They explained it as a spectrum in which they had, uh, I guess they categorized it as really like eight different places you could be, which is to say you're either fully straight, fully gay, and there's plenty of space in between. So, which was interesting because I had never thought about it that way. So I think maybe that's a bit of, that could be a bit of a misconception that it's either, it's either one way or the other way, or even that third option, which is to say someone is bisexual, I still don't think that quite um, encompasses the reality, which is that someone could be more one way or the other. Uh, if you're going to go with that, like, so what you're thinking of, I believe, is the Kinsley scale. Uh, I, I can't recall. I'm sure. I, I'm sure if you looked at it, uh, it's, the description rings a bell. Yeah, the, the Kinsey scale is exactly that, where it's a sliding meter, a sliding bar of like the very, of the complete, the very ends are 
uh, you know, completely gay, completely straight. Um, and then that that you know, slider can move anywhere in the middle, so you could be along it anyway. Uh, at the very middle is by, uh, and then everything in between. And which really, I mean, you can kind of categorize those in between sections. The scale can definitely slide on there more towards one way or another, but in between it would be more homo flexible and more hetero flexible. <clears throat> oh, okay. So yeah, again, the Kinsey scale is really, really good for that. Although apparently it's been, I believe it's been replaced by something else. Um, Kinsey scale. Um, I'm just looking up to see what the new one is because there is a different one. Uh, it's more of a chart. So there's a rating uh, and depending on where you are. So it's more about like who you're attracted to and then how much you're attracted to them. So there's different, um, I'm not finding the name for it though. All I'm seeing is that's purple red scale uh, is what it's being called. So there's your orientation and there's your attraction type. And so it's like A, B, C, D, E, F. And then it's uh, zero to five, or zero to six, rather, on the scale. Okay. And I believe when I did the test, I fall into like a C3, which is directly in the middle, uh, but again, closer to that whole asexual deal, and I believe it's a C3 is what I fall into. Uh, I can't find a whole lot of information on it, though. I'm trying to load this article from News Talk. They're making me take a survey. There it is. Uh, yeah, so traction types and orientation. I'll actually link the scale in the answer. Ah, uh, yeah, so the purple-red scale. Ah, uh, yeah, so the purple, again, the purple-red scale, I've linked it in the answer. And uh, there's information on sort of the attraction types that. Uh, so, yeah, again, I'm with you on the whole. I don't really have much more to add. Uh, to that as far as misconceptions. Uh, but Michael does have a response here as well. So I remember one time in high school health class, a boy once told class he couldn't be friends with a gay person because he's worried they want to do stuff to him. He put it, he put that eloquently. Uh, there was a gay kid in class who then offered up, uh, who then offered up a totally fire response of what if they didn't? I think a lot of people, especially around the around that age, get weirded out because they think gay males are sexual deviants or overly promiscuous. Nothing could be further from the truth. They have committed partners and spouses, and even if not, not every single guy is lusting after everyone. Years later, another friend was telling me he still meets people all the time who assume that gays only hang out with other gays, or that there may be a, to a token one in a group of female friends. Now, I know this uh, one isn't even remotely true. I have countless gay and lesbian friends I love with all my heart, and I'm a straight male. Fancy that. Well, I can confirm that every time I go pee <laughs> at a, a stand-up stall, people, and I mean especially young people, but a lot of people, feel like they have to cover up their junk as if everybody is a sexual predator and uh, and gay <laughs> and, and wants them badly and, and will somehow do something while they're while they're taking a leak and I just don't find the need to stand so close to the to the pisser and I don't have and I'm not embarrassed about um, 
certainly I'm not embarrassed if someone catches a glimpse, but, um, but I don't think that's the place where anyone would. And I've never experienced that in my life. So, so I don't, I don't stand so close to the pisser, but <laughs> holy geez, do people like to stand right up close to that pisser. And I just think to myself, that is just so gross. Like a, the, the backsplash, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and B, what, what's, why, what's the point? What, what are you hiding under there? Right. Special weapon in there. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just funny. Like, and I see it all the time. I see it. And I'm just, and I just like hang out there a good foot and a half, maybe two feet away from the pisser. And I piss in there and, and the guy next to me, you know, is always a couple inches off the, you know, the ceramic and, uh, you know, I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, but I'll tell you what, a lot, of, I'm telling you a lot of straight guys, it's so weird. It's, it's super weird. I think that's weird. And, um, and I'm totally straight. And, uh, and I just think, I just think there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You're taking a leak. You know, what do you think they did a hundred years ago? Well, they just whipped it out and took a leak, right? Absolutely. Everyone's all embarrassed when they go to the, the. I don't know. It's weird, but I, I tell you, I see it a lot. In fact, I have a I have a buddy who prefers to pee in the stall because he doesn't want to pee in the stand up. Does he stand up anyways? Yeah, he stands up and pees in the stall. Doesn't sit down. What? Stands up and pees in the stall, but would rather not pee in the oh. stand up. And I. I don't know whether he thinks that, you know, I don't know whether it's a problem with, uh, like I said, I use the term backsplash, but um, I don't know what, what his deal is exactly, or whether he doesn't like being shoulder to shoulder with, uh, you know, with somebody while taking a leak. Maybe, maybe it bothers him. Maybe he can't go, you know, so I don't want to say it's, I, I don't want to jump to conclusions. He's a good friend of mine, but, uh, but anyway, I myself have no embarrassment and have no trouble peeing next uh, shoulder to shoulder with, uh, with the gentleman in the uh, in the washroom. So, anyway, that's what I have to say about that. It's a very it's a very funny topic, I think. And I mean, it's the bathroom stuff gets so much conversation these days, like way more than it's warranted. Uh, you know, especially with the whole allowing uh, trans people to use like the washroom that's um, you know that that they identify with. Uh, just a quick story completely deviating from the misconception of gay people. <laughs> but while we're on the topic of that, um, the very first time that I presented in public, uh, I was at a mall, and I was not confident in my own appearance and whatnot. Yeah. So I was in a mall, and there's like the men's washroom, the women's washroom, and then the family washroom. Right. So, yeah, I got... I decided I would go to the family washroom because uh, that's like in between. Right. I was quickly kicked out of there because apparently I didn't have a kid with me, and that's like that you can't go in there without that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was forced to go in the women's washroom. But yeah, they they kicked me out of the family washroom. But isn't the family like an individual washroom? No, it no. There's oh, like it was it was like a oh it was like a. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and so I mean, like, I guess it's for like parents, and they have kids, so like they're both they're all in there. Um, so I mean, I guess it makes sense for that. 
but yeah, just to be like kicked out of there. It's the only time I've ever been kicked out of a bathroom, is that one time, uh, and that was just because of lack of confidence. And after that, I'm just like, well, uh, I I gotta pee really badly, so into the woman's washroom we go, and it was fine. Like it wasn't a bad experience. Oh, okay, good. So yeah. that uh, also the so the first year of transition was it? I don't remember. First year or something like that. <clears throat> um, I was having dinner with my mother. It was like our Christmas dinner thing. Uh, we were out at Boston Pizza, and I had to use the bathroom. So was she. So we were gonna we were leaving, and as I went to the bathroom, her response was, uh, "So which one are you gonna use?" When like I'm you know, clearly presenting female, it's like I can't go to the men's one. <laughs> it's just no awkward. Uh, yeah, I mean, just like it was just her being really awkward about it. So yeah, yeah that was also. I mean, that's the only other. That was the only other uncomfortable experience that I've had, and that was just early on. But she liked being asked that. It's just, well, what do you think? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's. Geez. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, so, so ultimately, though, um, your family understood over time. Sort of, yes. Mainly, it's been like four or five years or something like that. Mm -hmm. I've lost track, but you know, like my dad still gets things wrong. Right. And there's been like I get that there was going to be an adjustment period, but like after four or five years. Your adjustment, your, your grace period is over. Like, it's long, long over. And it was a close friend last year who finally, like, knocked into my head that, like, if they haven't made that adjustment and they haven't started using proper pronouns and proper name and whatnot by now, it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, if it causes you distress, maybe it's time to kick them out of your life. So last year was the first year I didn't go to my grandmother's for, um, you know, like, I went back to my hometown for Christmas. And it was the very first time I never went to my grandmother's for Christmas, uh, mainly because my uncle was an asshole. Or one of my uncles, yeah, he's an asshole. And he refuses to, you know, he addresses me by my dead name, uh, uses the wrong gender. He refuses to accept that. Um, and so my thing was like, either like, if he's going to be there, I'm not going to be there. And my grandmother made the decision that like, well, he can be there then. So I just didn't go. And it was the yeah, it was the first year that I didn't go, that I didn't go. But I spent Christmas with uh, two of my best friends, so I mean that was nice. Mm -hmm. And then we had like our own little Christmas dinner and whatnot. So I mean that that was that was nice. Um, I can't say I necessarily missed uh, going out to my grandmother's. And it was certainly you know there was no distress about it. You know, I think as uh, as I think anyone really grows up, uh, you start to see people in your family or people that have been in your life growing up as just regular people and not as the figure they are or were in your life, right? And uh, and when you see that they're just regular people, I think um, in some ways you can accept a lot of flaws and sort of start to see them uh, for what they are. And uh, which is fine sometimes, and then sometimes you're like, "Wow, 
you've been a dick this whole time. I just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a way to sort of bring out uh, true colors. When yeah. I came out to my best friend, uh, yeah, I mean, his reaction was just like, okay, so I use, so what pronouns do I use and what do I call you? And then went through that and then it was, all right, so uh, what do you have going on this weekend? And like, it was no big deal. Right. So, I mean, that was really nice. Like, you didn't make a thing out of it. If I want to talk about it, I could, but otherwise it's like, let's get back to like doing what we're going to do. Right. Right. Um, and then followed by like, I'll probably ask you some really inappropriate questions down the road. It's like, yeah, whatever. If anyone can play with it, you can. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add to the misconceptions question. Do you? Oh, no, I think we, co we covered a lot of interesting uh, um, things with that. And that's why I wanted to do the live stream too, because it's just like, it's way more interesting. Um, yeah. Because like, we're going to end up going off topic and getting into so much. Uh, that being said, we still have a whole bunch of questions to get to. So the next one being, uh, have you ever been in love? Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. I've been going first a lot. Sure. Uh, yes, twice. And uh, so the first time that I was in um, <laughs> we've been friends for years prior, and then we started dating. And it was weird, too, because when we started dating, it felt like we've been dating forever. And so we kind of slipped into the whole I love you thing really, really early. And we were going to get married. Uh, I was going to propose to her the same year. I was going to propose to her, and then it was that year that I ended up coming out to myself and then to everyone else and started transitioning. And that was when everything kind of blew up in my face, and we split up. And that was a shame, because, like, again, she was and like, the first person who I really, really loved. And so, I mean, that was, that was really hard, but it was mixed with the whole transition at the same time. So it was a little easier than it should have been. Um, so that was the first time I've ever been in love and it was magical. And then it wasn't until 20, so that was back in 2013. And then in 2015, uh, this is the next time that I fell in love again and that one didn't last quite as long. Uh, the other one was like a three, uh, three, almost four, I think it was like a four year relationship uh, before we broke up. And another one was maybe five or six months, but we were in love and it was fantastic. And it was uh, a poly relationship. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know a poly relationship, it's uh, you know, a relationship with more than one person uh, not necessarily, they can all sort of be separate relationships of each other. Um, but yeah, it's the whole idea of like, you can be with more than one person. And so, I mean, that was great. And uh, until I eventually pushed her away and then that sort of ended. So I've been in love twice. How about you? Um, well, once, and it's complicated. And, um, and I think I'm going to have to leave it at that because I don't want to get into the details about it um, because uh, it may or may not be ongoing, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a sensitive topic at this point in my life, so, uh, so I'm going to continue, but uh, highly recommend it. <laughs> Hi highly recommend it. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah. 
that that's it. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what you should type on that one. Uh, uh, I do. Yes, it's complicated. I highly recommend it. That's that, what I'm doing. I think that, that I think that's some sums up what I have to say about that. Big answer. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I I never really thought things things could be complicated as far as relationships until that uh, until you get struck with uh, with love and then you're like, yep, it's fucking complicated. <laughs> Yeah, this is what yeah. these, this this is what all these people are singing about in songs and making movies about. Yeah, I understand now. Yeah, it's it's difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's also you know magical and. Yeah. I know people who. I know people who are just like they fell in love and they broke up. Like I'm never gonna fall in love again. It's like yes, but you will because it's such a great feeling while you're there. And at the end of the day, like everything falls apart, everything breaks down. Whether or not it's like you end it or people die, but at the end of the day, everything falls apart, which can be kind of seen as like a nihilistic attitude, which it is, but at the same time, it's also kind of a romantic attitude, uh, being like, you know, everything's going to eventually fall apart, so why not grab on to any bit of happiness you can? <clears throat> yeah, and I definitely think that one should not withhold. Um... Any effort to engage in a situation where it's possible for them to um, get close with someone should they come upon the fortune of that happening, because it, it is fortunate. Also, I'll add that it's it's a fortunate encounter, an endeavor. So if it should happen to you, it uh, should be something to. To bypass or stray away from her should be something worth experiencing. Yeah. It is at least once, if not more than that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, okay. So next question is: Have you ever been a victim of a hate crime? I haven't personally. Neither have I. Um, I mean, that's a pretty short answer. <clears throat> um, no, and I mean, I can't really speak to anyone else. Um, I don't necessarily know if I know anyone who's been affected by hate crime. Like, if I know anyone personally. Right, right. Hate crime is, uh, well, that's sort of like the deepest end of the spectrum of possible, um, <clears throat> Should we call it like uh, prejudice? Uh, not quite prejudice. Discriminatory practices. Yeah, discrimination. Discrimination. That that'd be like the worst of the worst. And, and, and I, I'm sure the the amount of people that have run, run into that would be would be somewhat minimal because that's like the worst case scenario. Yeah, it also depends on the part of the world that you live in too. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, like we we're fortunate that we live in Canada. Yeah. Um, or that sort of thing, it happens less. But in the States, uh, you know, that's kind of rampant with that, especially now with the current president. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of, like, people think it's okay. Um, you know, so, again, like in Canada, we're really, really lucky. And I don't want to speak to anyone. Like, I know there are people um, in the States who I know, and I think they've had some things happen to them, but... 
I can't really speak on that or to that. Uh, just because, again, it's not something I have personal experience with. Yep. Uh, I mean, in Scars, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the other thing, Tim, forgot to mention before. It's like, I know we're talking about personal stuff, but also, like, in the show, uh, you know, religion is definitely a topic in the show. Uh, religion versus faith. Yeah. And faith is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Religion is ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else to add to the hate crime. Do you? No. Don't don't do them. Yeah. No. Um, you know, people say don't do drugs. Sometimes drugs are okay, but don't <laughs> do hate crimes. <laughs> uh, okay. So next question is. Do you think gay marriage affects straight people in any way, and how or how not? Well, I, well, you know, we were talking about. Um, oh, I don't think it can inspire somebody to turn. I hope that's not a question about that. I'm going to assume that he's not that this person is not talking about a gay marriage inspiring somebody who's thinking about. I hope his perspective is not that, or his or her perspective is not that one can flip on account of they've been inspired by no someone I, else's. I, I hope this is talking about negative, like talking about whether it can affect somebody negatively in terms of relationships. I mean, it certainly could if someone is against those things, like you talked about your family, right? I mean, I'm sure those things, you know, might bother them, but... Uh, what are you going to do, right? And that's what it is, right? They have to get with the times, and that's all there is to it. I think, and again, like I'm, um, so yeah, like for me, I think the way I interpret the question is that, like, you know, if there are gay people getting married, how will it affect straight people? It won't. Um, yeah, good, good point. I think that'd be the best way to. Yeah, so I mean that—that's why I've read the question. Uh, your take on it with the whole inspiring thing is certainly an interesting. Take I never would have thought of. Well, I mean, I would hope, I don't think, I don't know if that's what they're, they're getting at. But if you are of that, uh, if you, if you are of the opinion, and we've already talked about why this is the wrong opinion, but uh, if you are of the opinion that somehow someone can choose whether or not to be uh, gay or straight, which obviously we've talked about is, is ridiculous. Uh I, I don't know if they're asking if seeing acceptance, more acceptance of gay marriage would would mean that somebody feels more comfortable choosing to be gay, but we, we've already discussed, and I hope this person doesn't, um, doesn't think that it is the case that someone has a choice about that. So, so yeah. But in terms of relationships, I suppose it could affect folks who are against those types of things or against their relative from doing that if they're of a certain upbringing, let's just say a very Christian upbringing, yeah, I might imagine that would affect you. Yeah. Emotionally, though, right? Emotionally. Emotionally. Just in general, yeah, okay, I can definitely see how that would. But yeah, no, that it it doesn't hurt anybody. (laughs) But uh, some let's put it this way, some people may create unnecessary stress on themselves. 
right? Those people that we were talking about, let's say, you know, Christians who are very against those types of things. <laughs> I mean, there's no need to stress about it, but they may be stressing about it. <laughs> yeah. An interesting question, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, along with your thing there, my answer is no. Uh, it doesn't affect straight people in any way. Uh, yeah, it's like anything. If you choose to make it about yourself, uh, then yeah. But I mean, then again, it's the same sort of thing with if someone's a vegetarian, and you decide to make that about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's take a good personal offense to that. Then yes, but you're manufacturing a problem. Yeah, good point. So as far as like an actual effect, no, no, it's. Yeah. The most that can happen is that someone manufactures um, stress in their life because of it. But again, that can be said for anything. Um, so yeah, no, it, um, it doesn't because again, it's just, it's allowing gay people to express their love in the same way that straight people do. Why do people uh, get married? Why do straight people get married? Because, you know, they, they love each other and they want to express that. They want to show it and also tax benefits. Because, you know, marriage is the you know, cornerstone of taxes and all that fun stuff. Uh, it's one of the cornerstones of economy. And it's stupid in that way. Yep. But if that's how you choose to show your love, like, why shouldn't gay people have that same, uh, same right? Uh, the next question is, what does the pink triangle mean? So you, you had the answer to this one. That'd be a good one to... Uh... Did you have a written answer, or we, we were talking about this? In a discussion answer, I didn't actually write one. Sorry, I'm just quickly typing my answer to the gay marriage one. Yep. For anyone out there listening, Leafs are playing tonight. Played yesterday. Had a, uh, had a uh, dramatic victory. I didn't catch the game, but I, uh, I heard all about it uh, for the Leaf fans out there. Who are they playing against? Uh, who are they playing against? I, uh, you know what? I, I believe they're playing. Was it Boston? Let me double check that right now. And I'm a big Leaf fan, so I should know Boston, indeed. Yes, and yesterday they won in overtime against Boston, so it's a back-to-back, back-to-back uh, games here. So they're playing their uh, their backup uh, goaltender, Curtis McElhaney, who's. Uh, who's 1-1-0 one, one this season, one win, one loss. And um, we'll see how he fares on the second game against Boston, who uh, looks like they're going to be having their number one goaltender in that. So kind of interesting. So Boston chose to play their backup goaltender yesterday, and, and the Leafs came out with a narrow victory. And today, Leafs are playing their backup goaltender against... Boston's um, number one guy, Tuka Rask, who has not had a great start to the season. So we'll see. And the Leafs have been, uh, I don't want to jinx it, but they've been they have been more on the side of all right, but they could be doing better. Um, so anyway, big, uh, big game two, so to speak, tonight. And uh, Boston is favored to win based on the, uh, the odds, which of course don't mean anything. 
necessarily, but the betting odds are betting on Boston. Uh, hope hope to see the Leafs uh, beat the odds on that one. Excellent. Um, okay, so on to the next one. Uh, what does the pink triangle mean? Uh, yeah, so we were just discussing this. I wasn't sure at first. Um, I thought maybe like because there was like some pink on the image that I have with the scars thing, and if that was the case, like that's my printer being stupid. Um, but there is actually a pink triangle. So I'm thinking this is what this is refers to. It's the, so uh, back in Nazi Germany, there is a pink triangle um, and it was used at the concentration camps as a badge to identify male prisoners who were sent there because of their homosexuality. Uh, every prisoner wore a downward pointing triangle on their jacket and the color was to categorize them by their kind. Uh, there's other colors identified Jewish people Two triangles uh, superimposed as a yellow star, and uh, political prisoners, Jehovah's Witnesses, and antisocial prisoners, um, that and other people that the Nazis uh, deemed undesirable. So there is uh, different badges. Again, so the pink triangle, uh, pink and yellow triangles could be combined. The prisoner was uh, deemed to be gay and Jewish. Uh, originally, it was intended as a badge of shame. The pink triangle, often inverted from its Nazi usage. It has been reclaimed as an international symbol of gay pride and the gay rights movement and is uh, second in popularity only to the rainbow flag. So in short, it is a reclaimed symbol back from Nazi Germany to indicate gay pride. So there you go. Interesting. I didn't actually know that. Okay. Uh, so the next one is, what if my religion says it's wrong to be gay? Uh, you said that you like that question, so why don't you go ahead? Yeah, well, I mean, my instincts say uh, time to find a new religion. Huh? Yep. I think that's that's the that's the easy answer there. Um, and the other answer is, uh, you know, sub, you know, subscribing to a rigid set of beliefs. You know, if you're in a religion like that, with a family who's very absorbed in that religion, I guess you'll have to make a decision. You know, is it worth uh, starting a huge, say, fight among your family and having your family disown you for your beliefs on, for your maybe let's let's call them public beliefs on, on being gay. I don't know. If you're gay yourself, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Time, time to move on, right? Time to move on and, and, and be who you are supposed to be. Um, but if it's a matter of your opinion and your opinion differs from the religious opinion and you love everything about the religion, uh, you know, maybe you ought to keep that opinion to yourself and keep going in the religion if you really love it. And if, and if it's, and if you have to, but if you're trying to grapple with whether you can honestly believe that there's something wrong with being gay, and there's, I mean, if you have some decency and some sense about you, uh, and you don't let religion affect your way of thinking, because obviously that's a whole different 
that's if that's fundamental in your in your life. Um, you know, really, those things shouldn't be in conflict. I think at the end of the day, religion and that and that whole that whole aspect should not be in conflict. But like, I think you and I were we were just saying, and you, I think you put it really well. Faith is wonderful. Religion, not so much. And this is one of those things where I'm so against uh, these uh, rigid religious uh, types of restrictions. Uh, so yeah, I think you, you put it really well when you said that. I think that's a, this is this is a, would be a prime example of where uh, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of positive things from uh, a lot of religions. And um, yeah, this is just a, this is just a sour topic among a lot of religions so yeah they're continuing to lose people though so that's what i have to say about that religions are losing people uh and i won't say that it's directly because of these types of discussions but um, it's hard to see how it isn't at least in part related to uh a re re old religions lack of adaptation to the modern world to put it in summary there you know old religions are having a hard time adopting to modern worldviews that divergence i think is at the core of why there is a huge drop off in terms of participation in fixed religions uh, versus the past so i don't know any thoughts on that uh, topic there, Ray? Have all. Sorry. Religion says it's wrong to be gay. What do you do? say if, if I don't know? There's a lot of ways to answer it, but what do you do about it, right? I have a lot to say on this topic, uh, but in the interest of time, I'll try to keep my answer short. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if your religion says it's wrong to be gay, I'm with you. It's time to find a new religion. Um, but also, it's not just your religion; it's a new, fa uh, new facet of that religion. Uh, again, Christianity has many different flavors, and some of them are actually, you know, they don't have anything against that. Uh, if you take a look at uh, being Lutheran, for instance, uh, you know, there isn't, it's not against a religion. It's definitely a, Chris, uh, you know, a Christian religion, and there's nothing wrong with being gay. Um, the Bible is, if you start referencing the Bible, uh, there are a lot of different verses, and people tend to cherry pick. Um, but again, my thing is, like, if you're using the Bible to justify things, uh, then you have to be okay with slavery. Really, because it talks about it. But then there's also, there's all kinds of contradicting things in the Bible. And it really depends on what version you're looking at and the Testament. Uh, you know, if it's New Testament or Old Testament, a New Testament seems to be a bit better than the old one. Um, so again, like, it really depends on what book you're looking at. Uh, if you're referencing, if you're looking at your Bible. So, you know, what part of your religion is saying that it's wrong? Uh, and then, you know, examine that and then maybe take a look at, you know, other instances of that uh, and other flavors of, you know, Christianity is the big one that comes to mind just because that tends to be where that comes from. Uh, but there's all kinds of religions that have no problem with that, that don't even touch on it. It's just like, it's not a big deal. Um, and if there is an all-powerful celestial being out there, 
that you would call God. Uh, I call it the magical uh, invisible sky daddy. Um, yep. But if there if there is that sort of being who's all powerful, we can't begin to comprehend that. And I seriously doubt that this being actually cares about like who you love, or uh, or you know who, who you fuck. To put it bluntly, uh, you know, I I don't think that all powerful celestial being, uh, celestial being cares as much as people want to think uh, about small things. Because it's such a mundane thing. I mean, and to micromanage a billion people, I don't know. that. I mean, I like micromanaging. Uh, I try not to do it. <laughs> but uh, that just seems like a huge undertaking. I don't care how powerful you are. A billion people or however many you know, several billion people on the planet. Yeah, that's quite the undertaking, and I, I don't think that's... No. So, yeah, I mean, to answer the question um, a little more straightforward, time to find a new religion. Uh, again, homosexuality isn't new. Uh, it's been around long before the Bible was a thing. You know, it predates any of that. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. Although I can certainly say that it would be tough for some people whose families are very ingrained in a particular religion to um, to break away, right? Especially if they're loving and caring families who, let's say, that topic aside, you wouldn't really find any strong reason why you would abandon your family, right? So that's kind of an interesting one. If, say, you have a great family and they're all really great, except you guys are part of a religion that doesn't support gay people and that strongly goes against your beliefs, but every other aspect about your relationship with your family is is great. So, I mean, obviously that becomes a pretty hard um, decision to make. I can definitely feel for someone if they're in a position like that. And, yeah, I mean... I agree. I don't really think that was necessarily the question, but yeah, no, like, um, I mean, that, that's a whole different can of worms. It's, but again, that comes more down to your family's acceptance as opposed to uh, necessarily the religion. Uh, certainly if the family has been corrupted by that, that religion does more damage than good. Um, again, I have a friend who she makes it her mission to go and convert people to like atheism just because religion is such a terrible thing. And I mean, I agree that I, I personally find that there are certain religions that are better than others. Uh, but in general, I'm sort of in agreement that, you know, religion causes way more problems than it solves. Uh, you might be able to find a community based on that, but usually there are communities with sort of twisted beliefs. I think if you're looking for community, there are better things to connect to people with than, you know, um, similar sort of beliefs in spiritual things. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, can we excuse myself for a washroom break? I will be back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, we're just going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Oh, we've definitely covered some interesting topics. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and we have 
eight more questions left. So we're getting there. We're getting there. We're over the halfway mark, so that's... There was 21 questions in total. Nice. So have we gotten to the next one? Yes. So we're on the... How can a family have two moms? Which one is the real mom? Mm. Uh -oh. uh, you know, I've been wrong about questions before where I've sort of laughed about them and then we got good answers. So let's see if we keep the trend up or if this is one where uh, one of us finally breaks down and starts to laugh uncontrollably. <clears throat> yeah, let's... Be me at all. No. Well, <laughs> well uh, let's start with um, if you are a child with two moms you may have to ask your mothers which one is the biological mother if there is one for starters if that's the question um, I mean I, okay you know what I don't know this one's a little little bit um, you know I'm trying to, to keep it serious here how can a family have two moms? Okay, is the question related to um, a lesbian couple having a child through adoption and or through um, in utero fertilization? Is that the correct term? Yes, that would be it. So, so maybe the real question is how can't a family have two moms? Interesting. Why, why? Why wouldn't it? Why would? Why wouldn't it be possible, right? In in the modern day, I don't know. Which one's the real one, though? That's that's the fun, that's the funny part, um, because because in theory you could have a biological mother who's who's technically your, if you want to call it that, who's technically your real mother. Um, again, though, that's kind of a it's a funny way to think about it, but uh, you could have you could have a you could have a biological mother if that's the question. Um, even in a family where you have two moms, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know how else to 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 say that. Uh, I think you know you summed it up really well there. Uh, you know, it really depends on how you look at it. If you're looking at the real, like it depends on how you define real. Uh, if you're looking at that as biological, then well, it's it's the biological one. Yeah. Um, so which one's the real one? <laughs> you'll you'll have to find out for yourself. You'll have to do some digging, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 possibly ask. But I mean, in that in that way too, if you're going by that, then um, you know, adoptive parents aren't real parents if you're going by that. So I find it's a lot easier to sort of define real as looking at it from a nurture perspective. Mm -hmm. As again, like you can have a father who, you know, he's not an actual, I mean, he could have fathered a child in that he impregnated someone. So genetically, yes. Biologically, yes. Uh, but an actual father, not so much, right? Because uh, it's all about, and I think that's how we define parents, or that's how they should be defined, is by actions as opposed to genetics. Mm -hmm. So in this case, they're both the real mom. Uh, right. You know, exactly. it's 
you can't go, well, that mom is the dad. No, they're 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 both they're both the real mother. Um so and the family can have I, I don't see how a family can't I mean when you ask how can family have two moms? If if there's two if they're two women in a relationship, uh lesbian couple, how can there not be two moms? Uh you know, I think you sum that up really well. Right. Right. Anyway, interesting one there. I think I think we'll have to put that one to rest for now. They they perhaps will have to do some some inquiries themselves uh, in the wonderful world of the internet. If if we haven't already covered all the topics, and I'm pretty sure. Oh, I don't know if you want to start digging around the internet because I'm sure there's a lot of misinformation on that one. Uh, you know, there might be research papers you yeah. could look at, but again, it depends like how you define mother. If you define mother by biologics, yeah. that would be the answer is right. pretty obvious. Uh, if you define right. it by like who's raising or like traditional roles in the family, they're both mothers. Uh, you know, and women can you know have jobs and bring home. You know, uh, it can be working, uh, provide for the family, that kind of thing. So, again, if you're subscribing to an archaic view, I can see how that could be confusing. So maybe it's time to open your horizons. Uh, and again, that that's all I have to say on that one. Uh, there isn't a lot that we can say. Uh, okay, the next one is an interesting one. I had to do a bit of research for this one, and it's interesting. Uh, this next one is, why do gay and lesbian people have rainbow flags or rainbow stickers? What does it mean? Alex, do you have anything to contribute? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't know about that. So I don't, uh, I don't want to give a uh, a bullshit answer, you know. So I don't know. But bullshit answers are the best answer. No, no, they're not. Because <laughs> rainbows are pretty. Because they're pretty. Because <laughs> just how about that? Yeah. <laughs> but no. Uh, so there actually is a reason, and the reason I was looking up isn't far off from what I thought. So the rainbow flag was initially called um, the. I'm trying to get the exact name here. So the flag of the human race. And it was for world peace. And uh, it was part of the sort of the whole hippie movement. So again, rainbow flag was initially for world peace and all the different races. Um, and then with everything going on with, uh, you know, with gay people, the whole thing with Harvey Milk, and, or yeah, Harvey Milk, and uh, everything to do with the Stonewall riots, you know, there was just so much bad things happening that, again, like focusing on the rainbow flag as uniting the world in peace. Uh, so, I mean, it became such sort of a staple of that time that it's been associated with uh, gay people. And uh, with the whole LGBT, sorry, the whole LGBT spectrum, uh, it is uh, part of that. So again, the whole wanting to be included as part of the human race and not excluded from things, um, you know, it just, it became part of that. But really the rainbow flag, as much as we connect it with that, it's actually the uh, flag of uh, the human race. So it's supposed to be more uniting everyone, not just the LGBT people. 
Um, but again, the whole thing with the flag, if you're not going that far back into its origins, uh, the flag does represent all the different races, uh, sort of united as one. Well, there you have it. That's a, that's a very, very nice uh, representation, then. That's a nice way, uh, nice way to represent that. Uh, so that is that one. How do you feel when people are insistent that this is a choice that people make? You, you should go ahead with this one because, uh, you know, I think this is a good, really good one. Uh, so, uh, I guess my initial reaction is uh, angry and frustrated. Uh, frustrated more so than angry. Time and time again, science keeps proving that, you know, it's genetics. Uh, you know, again, genetic lottery, going back to our other question of, you know, people born that way. Um, you know, it, it's the genetic lottery. It's the genetic lottery. Um, and it can suck that way sometimes. But again, like science keeps proving repeatedly that it's not a choice, that it's, you know, it, it's way the brain's wired, the way genetics play out. Um, so with so much scientific evidence, I find it's ridiculous that people don't educate themselves enough and they just simply blindly follow that it's a choice because other people, um, you know, other hate mongers are saying it's a choice. So again, with so much science out there proving otherwise and so much research readily available, uh, we have the internet, which is like the world of information. Um, and people don't educate themselves using it, it's frustrating. How about yourself? I would say um, I'm at the point where the, it, it isn't frustrating anymore because uh, you pretty much recognize that these people are from either these very religious backgrounds or... Um, are just unbelievably ignorant about uh, about searching these things up. I mean, the internet and the modern age make it so available for everybody to, to, to read up on these things and to understand these things. And even if you don't, uh, I go back to my story where I was three or four years old and I had the hots for the, the young girl working at the daycare. I didn't know what sex was but i knew whatever it was i wanted it to happen with her <laughs> and no one needed to tell me that you know and i just knew i just knew and i didn't know what but i knew and uh i think if i think if you have an experience like that it's pretty easy to see or empathize that someone else can have an experience where they feel that way but not about girls, right? Exactly. So it's not like, it's not that hard for me to empathize because I know how it is for me and I like what I like and that's, and it just happened that way, you know what I mean? And, uh, geez, um, you know, so when I hear people that, that have these opinions it's hard to even get mad or frustrated because you just know uh they're they're either completely what well, in no in this day and age they're basically completely dismissing uh 
or real facts. You know, they're, they're simply dismissing that and, and keeping themselves uh, ignorant to that. So, 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 you know, you can't even get frustrated with something like that because, you know, what could, what more could you possibly say to somebody who has those types of strong opinions, right? Go, go Google it. Right. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, uh, I'm sure they could, and they don't need someone to tell them to do so. You know, they've chosen not to. They've chosen to ignore those types of things. They've chosen to convince themselves or listen to people and allow them to convince the, them, if that makes sense, so to allow either religious leaders or, or what have you to convince them. And um, and they're, they've, they've chosen to not pay attention to the, to the, re the reality of the situation. Because like I said, I don't have to Google to know that I've always been into girls and I could understand if somebody isn't like that. Okay, if somebody had a different experience, it's not hard for me to, to stretch my understanding in that regard. So the people that don't, I think, are, are purposefully purposefully keeping themselves of a, of a certain uh, mindset to, to ignore, ignore facts. So, so yeah, can't, you, you know what? Can't get frustrated with those kinds of people because... Uh, there, there isn't any point. There isn't any point in getting mad about those things because, uh, for for the various reasons I said, it's just, um, yeah, they'll they'll have to come around on their own time, because <clears throat> that's just the way it is. Yeah, they they've just chosen a path of uh, of uh, you know of not being informed. Yeah, to put it lightly. That's a really good um, you know, answer to that. Okay, um, on to the next question. Did coming out affect your relationships, parents, sibling, friends in a negative way? Uh, so I guess I'm the one who'll, unless you have anything to add to that. Uh, you know, I think it, it'd be better if you answered it. I have, I have had uh, multiple friends come out over the years you know, people I knew that uh, that came out, and of course, it was no big deal um, to me. But their experiences, I'm sure, are more uh, for a question like this. I'm sure your experience would be more valuable insight. Uh, I'm gonna say, <laughs> um, I'm gonna say like yes, but it was pretty minimal. Um, before I came out, I knew I was gonna do it. So I sort of, I knew the people who weren't going to be accepting. And so I made a point to sort of push them out of my life. Um, so, and again, like, it's not like these were people I was close with anyway. Um, yeah, I just sort of made a point, like, I'm going to have nothing to do with them just because I'm not going to put myself through that. So again, the relationships that did matter a lot to me, uh, all but one were, you know, stayed. Um, so again, it was just that one that I spoke to earlier with my girlfriend, eventually, who's going to be my fiance. Um, you know, she ended up, I mean, to be fair on that one, when I came out, I didn't do it very well. And uh, instead of like staying there and like working, uh, trying to work through things with her, uh, I let her best friend come over and then I left to go, so my best friend, I went, you know, I'm gonna go give her some space and time. The problem is that I left her with her uh, best friend who didn't like the fact that we were dating to begin with and so that really played a role in that I think um, 
but as far as the question goes, affect my relationships negatively? Minimal. Again, it was nothing happened that I didn't think was going to happen. Uh, there's nothing that caught me off guard. There was nothing I wasn't ready for. So I wouldn't say it affected in a negative way. Um, it was just, it affected me how I thought it would. You know, I'm sure a lot of people feel uh, feel like they've probably got a sense for how people how people may react. But um, but I have to, I have also spoken to to well at least one one person, and I was in a fraternity, and a guy in the fraternity actually we had in my time I was there for four years in my time, I believe two people came out, two guys came out, and. Um, Anyway, the one in particular, um, I, I think I think maybe he was expecting more of a reaction, but um, I don't know from from talking to him, and no one really cared. You know, no one really cared. In fact, as far as we were concerned, it was actually a bonus because, of course, he became very good friends with a lot of the girls in the sororities, and of course, brought tons of girls around to our social events. Uh, so it actually, it was actually better for everybody <laughs> not to be, not to be selfish about the matter, but, uh, but, uh, having a gay guy in the fraternity really helps to bring a lot of girls around. And, uh, that, uh, that, uh, was, was, was a definite, there was definitely a lot of upside actually. So I don't know. I don't know, but I think his impression was that he wasn't sure how people would react. I guess because it was a fraternity environment, right? All the guys, it's a very, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, how to describe the culture. It, there's not a, there's not one culture. There's a lot of different members, all of which have their own interesting um, ways about them, as with any other group or club. You know, we're all very different, and not everybody's uh, what I would describe as a bro, you know, a real real frat boy, so to speak. Um, you know, not everybody's like that. I'm certainly not like that. And uh, but, but it's sort of about the social scene. And that's what it's really about. That's what's in common with everybody. We all enjoy the social aspect. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it made no difference on anybody's uh, enjoyment of, of, you know, why we're all there. And it, of course, it wouldn't affect it. But he, I think he, he maybe expected a little bit of a I don't know, some, some, maybe some backlash or something like that. But, uh, but of course, he didn't get any because, you know, nobody really uh, cared about it. But not that we didn't care. I mean, we were supportive that he was doing it, the, you know, coming out. But, um, you know, we didn't care in the sense that it, it was no big deal. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think that's always a bonus, too, is when you're not sure how people will react or you think it might not be great. And then it turns out it's awesome. Uh, you know, like everyone's super supportive and, you know, everyone's, you know, great about it. So, I mean, that, that's always, that's always a nice bonus. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add? Uh, no, I think that covers it. Okay. Uh, so next question is, how would you feel if this crowdfunding campaign doesn't meet your expectations? I'll let you take this first. If you have anything to say at all about it. Yeah. Um... I think one way or another, I think we, we, I hope that we will find a way to at least shoot this, this pilot. So at least this first episode. So in some sense, um, 
you know, I don't, I don't think it's not like, a, again, it's not really like a binary thing, like, oh, if it meets expectations, we're good to go. And if it doesn't, uh, we're totally out of luck because I, I feel like we will manage to, to get this thing done one way or another, but it would certainly help the progression and, um, Hopefully, I mean, I, oh, we haven't talked in depth, you and I, about the the, the projections of uh, being able to, to shoot however many episodes we're, we're aiming for here. Well, I mean, obviously as many as we can, but, um, you know, I would, I would hope that no matter what happens here, we will find a way to at least shoot this first episode in pilot, um, and hopefully more, you know. So, of course, it would suck if it was... If it uh, if it didn't work out as well as uh, hoped, but I have no no doubt in my mind that we will be at least um, finding a way to shoot this first episode. So I'm looking forward to it. I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> so my uh, based on my past expectation uh, experiences with crowdfunding, my expectations are on the lower side on this. I'd certainly like to do really well, um, but that's why, again, the fundraising goal is so low at uh, 500, because with Kickstarter, it is like a all or nothing kind of deal. Uh, I'm hoping that the Patreon will do that will do better over time. Like, it'd be nice to have like a consistent flow of money coming in uh, to be able to do episodes on a more on, like a regular basis and have that build up. Uh, I have it set up there so that uh, the money just kind of builds up in the account, and then when we go to use it, I can just kind of release it as we do it, I can have updates on when we're going to do that. Uh, that being said, my expectations on this project, um, crowdfunding or not, they've consistently been higher than what I've been expecting. And it's consistently been doing better than I thought it would do. Uh, the interest is just, it's there. And it's so nice to see um, you know, all that interest coming in. And over the next few weeks, I'll be doing more marketing for the Kickstarter and Patreon. And I'm really hoping that that will sort of boost things when more people see it. Um, I did try using Reddit, and I got eaten alive on there. Uh, they don't like self-promotion at all, which is a shame. I've been told repeatedly to use Reddit, and like, no, it's just it didn't work this time. But that's okay. There are other avenues to go explore. Um, with that being said, though, I mean, we had that donation come in of uh, $500. And it wasn't through Kickstarter, uh, just because they don't accept Bitcoin, but we've already met our goal. So the whole idea of this crowdfunding campaign not meeting my expectations, it's a non-issue at this point, because we've already done better than what I thought we were going to do. Well, that's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> how would I feel if crowdfunding doesn't meet your expectations? Not going to happen. Uh, you know, I mean, there are like stretch goals, I would love it. There are things that, like, if they happened, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I'd react. Uh, again, like, this, the highest stretch goal that I have on Patreon right now is 10000 a month. And if we hit that, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I know we would go and we'd start making episodes, uh, and we'd have no problem with it. But it's just the concept of that, to me, is foreign. Um, but again, there's always that hope that, you know, maybe we can hit that. Uh, there's always the hope that we can, like, double whatever it is that we're bringing in with Kickstarter, uh, you know, double, triple that. So there's wants, but there's no expectations. Um, yeah, to put it straightforward. So yeah, I mean, if it exceeded it, I'd be ecstatic. 
Uh, otherwise, though, like every little bit helps. Uh, anything else to add? Oh, I don't think. I don't think so. Uh, on to the next question. Do gay men act like girls? Do lesbians act like boys? Hmm. Well, sometimes. Um, well, you know, I don't want to offend or whatever. Um, you know, but there are maybe preconceived ways that aren't entirely false about the way uh, or if not, I shouldn't say the way that, that's so rigid, like that, that means there's one way that not all, that all gay people act, which is, which is fun, or which is a funny way to put it. Like, obviously that's not the case, but, um, um I, I mean, maybe you should answer this. I mean, there's a lot of ways, I guess I could say it. I mean, sometimes you can tell, let's put it that way. Sometimes you can tell that um perhaps there are more I, I don't know how else to put it no i um yeah i think what you're getting at is preconceived mannerisms that are sometimes present yeah either mannerisms or even um yeah maybe characteristics too though it's possible so mannerisms or characteristics it's possible that uh but it's not but it's not an act also because the question says act like girls or act like boys but that's it's not really an act it's uh, you know it's well i guess behaved is probably the better word that they would have used yeah they behaved yeah well well how would you how would you describe that um i, I think i feel like you give a more politically correct uh, way of, way to put it uh, yeah, I'm not really one to, you know, focus on the whole politically correct kind of thing. But I think what they're getting at, well, and to a certain extent, I think the better way to phrase this question and the way that I'm going to answer it is uh, do gay men behave um, in a more traditional, uh, traditionally feminine um, mannerisms? Like, do they behave more like how you would traditionally see a girl? And do lesbians uh, behave in ways that you would traditionally see guys behave? Uh, I think you're looking at more traditional behavior as opposed to, yeah, you know, very good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, because again, like, you know, we're whatever gender we are, and that you know we act how we act. Right. Uh, it's based on our personality. It's based on our characteristics. Um, you know, do gay men have sometimes more you know a femininity about them? Sometimes. Uh, sometimes not though. I mean, I know. I know gay men who are, they have both. Like some you would never know based on based on the way they act. You would never, it would never occur to you. And there's other ones who you just meet and you're just like, yep. And you know, you normally when that happens, I'm right. Uh, and you, that's more or less referred to as like gaydar. <laughs> um, yep. you know, it's just sort of that detection. But again, like I think there are just certain mannerisms that are present more often than not. So I'm going to say no and no to that um, with sort of the thing that there are sometimes traits that are common. Um, it's called across the board, and if you know what they are, you can pick them. In the same way that, like, uh, 
you know, if you look at, I'm going to jump ahead into something like into mental illness for a second and go with like people who are bipolar or borderline personality disorder who have that, there are certain traits that if you know what they are and you know to look for them, if you see them, then you can usually identify, um, you can usually sort of pick that out, but you need to know what to look for. It's the same thing with like uh, the way that gay people or lesbians act. If you know what to look for, if it's present, it might be a bit of a tip off, but you can't go by that. Um, no. So like, yes, there are, there are common mannerisms. I, um, I thought my gaydar was pretty keen and um, I had a friend, longtime friend, bass player, I'm a guitar player, we were in a band uh, together for uh, years. Uh, who finally one day we were hanging out and uh, he went to uh, the University of Waterloo. I went to Laurier, so they're down the street from each other. And occasionally we'd get together, sometimes to jam, sometimes just to, to socialize once in a while. And um, and he and he came out to me and said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm gay." And I don't know. It it's it was funny because, of course, I said, "Oh, I'm like cool, you know, no big no big deal, you know." This was. Uh, a friend of mine that I know for a long time, and uh, and I was totally had no idea, no indication prior to this, and we had known each other for years, maybe like four or five years, and there was no real sign of that, you know. I guess we never talked women, I guess, but we were always talking music, right? Because he was a he was a music guy, I was a music guy, and we we're always talking music, and um, and and nothing ever. I just did, didn't think anything of it, you know, and even looking back when I think about it, I, I can search my memory and I can't see anything, any real indicator, the, the, uh, the gaydar, so to speak, no real gaydar <laughs> indicators um, that would have given me that. So, you know, he, he certainly wasn't, I, sometimes I think I, I was, I, I'm more keen about the way I dress and my self-grooming than than my friend <laughs> you know what i mean so it wasn't it wasn't like those those types of characteristics or anything like that and that was interesting because i think that's the only time i've really been um i don't know i don't know i don't want to say i've been i've been fooled because it's no big deal right i just didn't know i just couldn't see it coming right didn't see it coming someone i knew for a long time and never saw it and uh, and that was interesting but that's the only and and that feels like it's the only time it's ever come across like that where I've totally totally missed it and I didn't notice any yeah anything like that so in other words I'd like to think that my gaydar wasn't off there were just no signs I think that, let's put it that way there were no real signs like there, there was nothing uh, you know you couldn't tell if I could put it that way or anyway maybe someone else could have might have been able to tell I couldn't for, for years and years you know so um so it was kind of interesting kind of funny yeah and we're still friends today, you know, we still stay in touch and, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and he's in a, he's in a relationship as well, you know, and he was in the closet for a long time. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Uh, like in terms of maybe he made an effort not to, uh, give any indication that he was maybe, I don't know, um, because his parents, I suppose, were against it. And, uh, so it's kind of interesting, but he's in a he's in a uh, loving relationship, as far as I know, uh, um, with his uh, with his boyfriend, and uh, and it's cool. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that interesting story. 
Uh, you know, you just you, it's certainly true that there's not always it is not always that way. And some, sorry, I was gonna say, and sometimes uh, you know the behavior that you think is associated is completely wrong. Um, case in point, myself, uh, <clears throat> I had friends who thought I was gay, mm -hmm. and just like really, really in the closet about it, and in deep denial. Um, again, they were half right, but uh, really, what they were seeing was you know like feminine traits because female, uh, not because gay. So right. sometimes it can just be like, you're kind of onto something, but not quite. Um, yeah, so I mean, you might think that like, oh, they have these behaviors, so they're gay. No, they're female. Just right. in denial about that. But like when I came out, it was one of those things like to some people, oh, it makes a lot more sense now. That makes more sense than you being gay. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. I don't know how to react to that, but okay. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, like, again, you might think something is one thing, but really it's something else entirely. Uh, anything else to add to that? No, I think we've, we've covered it. Okay. We're coming up to the very end. We have two more questions to go. I think this next one relates exactly to what we were just talking about. Uh, can you tell if someone is gay or lesbian just by how they look? You de my buddy that I was talking about, you definitely can't tell. Let me tell you. <laughs> so, like I said, that's the first hand, as far as first-hand experience, I can tell you uh, he doesn't dress in any particular way. He doesn't look any particular way. In fact, he looks a lot like what he is, an engineer. He's an engineer. <laughs> so, fits along the stereotypes of an engineer. Uh which is, uh, which is to say not necessarily, uh, um, uh, I don't know what, what, what the best way to put it would be, but uh, um, fashion-oriented, not like that at all. Any thoughts on that, Ray? Uh, right, just one second. Uh, yeah, no, for me, it's, again, going back to my other answer. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> people's styles and the way they dress and the way they look entirely, um, yeah, I mean, their style, sense of style is completely separate from their sexual identity. Um, so you can't, you can't go by that either. And again, style is style. Um, you know, it has nothing to do with, with, with their orientation. So, no, no, you can't. Um, if you're looking for a way to judge, you shouldn't. But if you are looking for a way to judge someone and figure out if they're gay or lesbian or whatever, if you must, you would have a better, you'd have better luck going by their mannerisms and behavior than you would by how they look. That's a good point. And that's not saying much considering that you can't go by that either. Right. Um, but like if you had to pick one and you had no choice and you couldn't pick neither, mm -hmm. go by their mannerisms. Um, but again, stating one more time, don't. Right. Uh, you know, you, if it's that big a deal to you and you really want to know, ask. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's always the better option. Yeah. Uh, okay. 
Let's see if there's anything else here. We are on to the last question, which I think is actually a really good question to leave off on. Yep. The last one is, why do you think people are homophobic? Do you want to take, uh, take this one first? Uh, religion. <laughs> religion is the biggest reason. Uh, you know, it creates hate, it creates fear, uh, and people fear what they don't understand as well. So I guess religion and miseducation um, are the biggest, are the two biggest contributors to that. Uh, again, people fear what they don't understand. Um, you know, if you don't understand or you can't relate to it, uh, you're going to be more likely to be afraid of it. So. Again, people who haven't done their research, uh, they don't understand how people can be gay or they're religious uh, in the wrong ways. Um, you know, it it breeds hate, it breeds fear, and that's the biggest that's the biggest reason why people are homophobic. I, I don't really have much more to go on that one. Yeah, I, I'd say I, I definitely agree there. It's unfortunate because, again, we talked about there's a lot of uh, good things that come from a lot of uh, religions, but um, uh, I can't identify any other derivative for the hate of homosexuality uh, because I think most of it is based on that. So, interesting. Certainly interesting. I'm pretty sure people don't uh, aren't homophobic just because. I'm pretty sure that's not a thing for people. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, again, people people aren't naturally bad. Like people aren't naturally, uh, you know, hateful or fearful. Um, you know, that's taught, and sometimes it's taught at a really early age, and it's and that's the thing too. It gets really complicated that people aren't. It's never as simple as people are good or bad. Uh, you know, people are raised, people are inherently good. Uh, good and understanding. People are raised into hate and fear. And so they're, it's taught, which means it can be unlearned. It's just, it's a really tough thing to unlearn and people have to want to out, uh, unlearn it and have to come to terms with like, maybe the world's not quite what I was taught it was to be. But you always have those people who, uh, you know, they blindly follow things they don't think uh, things. You know, they're not necessarily free thinkers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not to be <laughs> too mean about it, but they're sheep. Mm -hmm. They're sheeple. Yeah. And it, it's hard. But again, like, it's never that person's direct fault because they're taught. And the person who taught, uh, taught that fear and hate, they were taught that fear and hate. So that's all they know. And so they think that they're, you know, like, this is how they were raised and this is how they're going to raise their kid. Yep. And so it breeds. So it's just, it's the cycle and it's vicious. So I think you and I ought to start our own radio show. That's what we should do. <laughs> yeah, no. That's uh, what we should do. Let's just do that also. We're going to start a radio show. We're going to find some people willing to hire us both. And uh, we're going to host a radio show. We, uh, we, could, we could definitely kill a few hours a day. Oh, uh, yeah, we like, uh, yeah, about two and a half hours we've been oh, doing yeah. that. And uh, I mean, we had some really good questions there, too. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I mean, there is always the option of doing a podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I know I've certainly done that with other people before. Cool. Something we'll think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so that would wrap up our AMA. Uh, again, if we think of anything else, we can always go back and add to that. The AMA is open for 48 hours. So if you have any other questions or anything, you can go over to the amafeed.com. Um, and our feed is actually near the top of crowdfunding, health, and LGBTQ. So yeah, amafeed.com. And pick either of those categories. SCARS is up near the top. We're rated pretty high. Um, apparently, there's like 104 people who have RSVP'd. Awesome. Um, and this uh, broadcast is going to be archived on Google. It'll be up for maybe a day or two while I go and I edit the other version. And then it's going to be replaced by a much more coherent version. Uh, that probably won't be tech full length. It'll be long. It just won't be, there won't be quite as many gaps. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that will go up and that will be there. And uh, I'll bookmark the questions and then sort of the spots where you can find, so you can just jump around and see the hear our answers. Um, but yeah. Awesome. awesome. And thanks so much to everybody who, uh, who uh, posted questions and who is supporting SCARS. And, um, and we hope uh, to do either more sessions with this and connect uh, with our followers on a more frequent basis. And uh, certainly hope uh, to get the material out and the artwork out as soon as we can. Absolutely. Uh, to find out more about SCARS and to follow us in our progress, uh, you go to facebook.com slash SCARS the series. Uh, it'll bring you to our page, like it, and uh, yeah, definitely take a look. Uh, our Patreon as well, I will post that in the comments on the AMA. You can also find that on the Facebook page as well. It'll also be in the description of the AMA um, of the AMA live stream as well. So those links will go up. Feel free to head over to Kickstarter or Patreon, support us. Uh, Patreon, you'll have access to our Discord server uh, where eventually some more of the cast will appear one day. Um, but definitely part of that little community. And uh, Kickstarter, you'll also get some rewards if you want to contribute there. Uh, there are separate rewards on both, so feel free to take a look. And as well, uh, poke around the YouTube channel. There'll be more videos to come. And next weekend, uh, next Saturday, we're going to be doing our monthly live stream. So that is on the 18th of November. Awesome. So yeah, follow the Facebook page to get more details on that one as well. Uh, also the Twitter, twitter.com slash the marks we leave. And uh, you can follow that as well to get more information. Anything else to add? I think that's it. All right. Well, I'm Rain. And I'm Alex. Thank you for tuning into our live AMA and uh, tune in next week for our live stream. Bye. It's just a quick shout out to all of our backers so far. Uh, I'm sorry if I butcher your name. Uh, I'm trying my best. Colin Weatherby, Milani Hernandez, Andreas Nelsmuller, and Kai. Thank you to you guys for your support. You're all awesome. And thank you to everyone who continues to follow us throughout this journey, whether it be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, or listening or watching our videos on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate your support, and we look forward to doing more of these videos. You guys rock. Bye.